0: this is going to be a fun a fun show i mean what sparked this was last week jackie posted something and she's regretting it ever since <laughs> <laughs> it was later, Like that was really cool we need to do a show on that and we come on and she said no for like five days and finally i just kept stopping yeah. harassing yeah. her she said look i'm either going to call the police or go on the show What's going to be less work? So she decided to come on. Thank you.
1: He finally called me dear.
0: I said, I said, dear, come on, please. Which goes, which is funny because we were just talking and in, in, in Kentucky, they're very warm with the, with the terms of endearment, right? Yep.
1: yep. So
0: you'll say darling and dear and things like that.
1: But darling. Yeah.
0: It's, and in other parts of the state, they'll look at you funny if you say that.
1: I have a couple of patients I can't do it with. They're not yeah. from here.
0: They're not from there. They don't like it. What would they? They don't like. What would they not like about it? I don't know. One woman t-
1: asked me not to call her, darling. I said okay.
0: I just call um, her. <laughs> I have no objections. Fair name. I'd have no objections either. So we. Um, so anyway, and then I remember that Anthony posted something a few weeks ago. You posted something about an infection, Jackie. You posted something about a, a, a an acute headache, and I thought you know this is pretty crazy because in both of you both of your posts you had they went to their doctor and were kind of not i don't know brushed off if you want to say but maybe just kind of you know i'll just take take this they didn't really think of it as anything serious came back and and you had to both urge no go back to your doctor and tell them that, you know, and then when, when it was looked into it was something pretty darn serious. So that made me think that, you know, in our line of work, we have to know red flags and we have to be ready for them because it can be the difference between somebody getting treated or going septic. Somebody getting treated and having a, a, a you know a, a brain hemorrhage. So this is like really important stuff and we we can't always assume that this stuff was was covered well. Not only that, but now we're more and more, I mean, I don't know how it is in Canada with, with you, Anthony, but people that have come to you will sometimes come to you for the first, as the first line. So they've been to you before, right. you have a rapport. Now they come back and they're like, hey, you know, this new thing happened. And all of a sudden you have to be the first line to catch things, so, yeah. Yeah, that,
2: that's, that's right, That you know, it's about trust, right? Because sometimes, in Canada anyway, Ah, uh, for them to see their family doctor it sometimes isn't that easy. It might take three or four days because they're so backlogged. Mm-hmm. So when they can see come and see me, usually within a day or two, and that way it starts to expedite things. And you're right, they'll they'll come for things that aren't necessarily musculoskeletal or we'll have some association, but you know any type of pain they'll come for.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's I know I know that um, in the U.S. with higher deductibles and higher exposure to the cost of healthcare people may not even have a primary or they don't want to go, but they'll go to you because they have, again, they have that rapport. So that's something that I, I, maybe we could just start uh, with Jackie with your situation because the post was pretty clear. I saw some, some things in it, but what were the, was this a patient that you'd seen before? Did you have a rapport? And what were some of the things that made you say, Hmm,
1: well, um, it was a new patient, and actually the whole thing was a bit serendipitous because we had—we um, usually have a six- to eight-week waiting list, and somebody had canceled that day, a new patient had, and within five minutes this gentleman had called crying on the phone. And my office manager hadn't called the next person on the waiting list yet, and she took pity on him and, and brought him in, and he came in and he described what I thought was a classic thunderclap headache um, it, you know, acute onset within 30 seconds. The pain reached its max intensity and didn't go away. He had visual disturbance with it. Um, so I was actually concerned to even treat him. Um, I had him pull up his MRI report on his phone so that I could look at it myself. Um, not that I didn't trust him, but I just wanted to kind of cover my butt because something seemed to miss. Um, but he had been to um, his primary care doctor and the ER. And MRI report said everything was normal. A stroke assessment, he said it was done and it was normal. He was told it was musculoskeletal, which is why he had called me. Um, I did my own, I did the Cincinnati, it's the Cincinnati pre-hospital stroke scale. I think is what it's the CPSS. Um, but he didn't see any signs of a stroke. He denied stiff neck and headache. Um, but he said it was the worst headache of his life. And when I looked at the onset with, like I said, the visual changes, his inability to lie supine, and some other things, I, I was iffy to begin with. Um, I did go ahead and treat him the first time. And we got the pain much improved. But I had him come back two days later. The pain had was now localized to one specific spot over the occiput. And he had called his primary care doctor um, that morning who again reiterated to him to take the muscle relaxers that the hospital had prescribed. And I did um, some muscle testing and he was showing some more weakness in his SCM. So the the neurological changes combined with the acute localized headache led me to believe that something else was going on.
0: Were there any other neurological changes that happened that that
1: He had nausea and vomiting, but no, he, um, speech was normal other than the initial fading in vision, um, and some dizziness that he had initially, that was all normal.
0: So you referred him back to -hmm. his primary care?
1: I referred him straight to the ER.
0: Straight to the ER. Yeah. Cause the symptoms were getting worse. Basically they had been around for a couple days at this point. Yeah. It didn't, it didn't look like it didn't have a, Clear presentation. Some of those things you can get with a migraine, but some uh-huh. of them not, right? Right.
1: Exactly. I, I was I was second guessing myself the rest of the day. I felt really bad because he really didn't want to be there and he called me from the ER, um, you know, saying they're they're saying that I'm okay.
0: Uh, mm-hmm.
1: so I was second guessing myself and I actually didn't find out until last week that I had been writing.
0: <laughs> so how did they actually get it in the yeah. ER? What, what did they finally do to find it? Just a different type of scan or different? No,
1: what he told me was he, what I told him on the phone was he, that he needed a specialist to come in and look at his imaging. Um, and they ended up doing that. A neurosurgeon was called in and he found a bleed on the original MRI that had been missed.
0: Just because a different specialist. Yeah. Uh, That's awesome. That is <clears throat> That's awesome. And what did they say? A couple more days and he would have. He would have had. <clears throat> it. So
1: the neurosurgeon told him he would have been surprised if he had made it a week and we were on day five.
0: Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. So, so I think you have, you know, some trust with this patient now. Yeah, he came back for low back pain. He better now. Now he's going to, not that he wasn't listening, you know, but now he definitely appreciates it, I'm sure. And there's another big thing, other than neurological, you get a lot of infections that we see too, cellulitis or, you know, things like that, that mimic themselves of musculoskeletal pain, right, Anthony? That's
2: right. And uh, actually, one thing I wanted to mention about Jackie, uh, the thing that she did that a lot of practitioners may be reluctant to do is to have the um, the courage, I'm going to use the word courage, because it really is somewhat uh, courageous to see something, recognize it as abnormal, not know exactly what it is, but know it's not what's classified as a typical headache or a typical presentation and say, no, you have to go to the ER because some practitioners might feel, quote, dumb or stupid or might think that, you know, in, in, in chiropractors, uh, with, with being a chiropractor, sometimes chiropractors think you, know, you send them to the ER and the ER docs like, all oh, this dumb chiropractor, why are they wasting my time with mm-hmm. this? That really doesn't happen. And even if it does happen, what Jackie had, she had clinical relevance as to why she might think that it's something other than what is a normal presentation? And she went on that hunch. So clinically, even if you're wrong, you are okay because mm-hmm. you're doing it in the best interest of the patient. And clinically speaking, her the way she did deduced the, um, the thought process was correct. It could have been part of the differential diagnosis. So that's the big thing is that I really urge people, that if you think something, don't be reluctant. So it's probably nothing because even if you're wrong, it's okay because you have the best interests of the patient mm. and that's, that's what it's all about. You know, p- patients don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Right. So you we want to demonstrate that. And that, that was beautiful. That was great. Jackie.
1: Thank you.
0: Yeah, Good stuff. Very, very
2: good. Very important. But, but uh, Sorry to answer your question, mm. the infection, that's the one, in my opinion, the one we see most often, the one I've seen most often in terms of presentations that, uh, are different from musculoskeletal, different from what the patient thinks they're presenting. The most common uh, abnormal presentation is typically cellulitis or infection in general. And that's because it presents as pain, as decreased range of movement. Uh, there's the one that I posted on the group that was quite popular was a patient came to me, a long patient who uh, had developed shoulder pain, inability to move her shoulder, and pain over her clavicle and the SCM muscle with redness here. This is how she presented to me. And I took one look and I I took one look and I touched and I touched it. And as I went, as my hand went to touch it, it felt like literally there was a heater on it It was warming my hand. And I touched it gently. and said, Oh, that's sensitive. And right away I said to her, I said, you have an infection. And she said, no. And she pulled out a piece of paper and she handed it to me. She goes, I have frozen shoulder. So I'm looking at this piece of paper the day before she was at the ER and the ER said, you have frozen shoulder. And I said, well, I said, maybe it looked like you had frozen shoulder, but I think it looks like you have an infection. They should take blood. They did take blood and it was negative. So now here's the thing. I have this piece of paper from the doctor. I have the cardinal signs of infection, I have redness, I have tenderness to the touch, I have uh, heat, Uh, she doesn't have a fever, but here, and I have this piece of paper saying that she has adhesive capsulitis, and they did blood, she told me. So I said, look, I said, these are the signs of infection. Maybe you didn't have, uh, maybe it wasn't positive for whatever they tested yesterday, but you have to go back to your doctor, you need to be on antibiotics, because this inflammation this heat isn't inflammation, it's infection. Mm. So she, she trusted me. She went back to her doctor. Her doctor said, right away, she said, no, 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 no. I'm not going to give you antibiotics. This, you know, If they said you have adhesive capsulitis, that's what you have. You have to go to, to physical therapy. Let me just pull up the blood report. Let's see what it said. He pulls up the blood report and he says, oh, my God, you have an infection. They had misread the blood report, the, 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 the lab. And, or, or whatever they did. And so right away they put her on power dosages of the antibiotics. And when she came back, uh, three days later, she, she had, she still had some restriction in her shoulder, but the infection was under control. That's the thing. Infections can, can move so quickly that if you don't respond, then they'll, like you said, you can become septic. You can, I had one patient, same thing. She had back surgery. And uh, she came to see me afterwards and turns out she came to see me with her mom and she was boiling hot in extreme pain and she was um extremely hot and vomiting and she was blaming it on her sister's cooking the night before. And really, and so I took one look at her and I, I said to the mom, I said, um, I said, I don't want to um alarm you, but I think she doesn't have food poison, she has an infection. And it looks like it's coming from the scar from five weeks early because it's very red around the scar, and that's where the pain is. She brought her to the hospital. They admitted her to intensive care. And so intensive care in the hospital, there's only like eight or ten beds in intensive care. They admitted her, and she was there for ten days. Had she went untreated for much longer, she, she would have died. And um, the problem And the problem with clinicians – chiropractors, all clinicians, outside of probably medical doctors, medical doctors, they're not too, they don't, they can't, most of them don't treat musculoskeletal problems well, but they can recognize everything else. But with chiropractors, massage therapists, acupuncturists, if we're not cognizant of the risk of, or or the chance of infection, very often it gets confused as inflammation, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, on the knee. Oh, their knee's really red and hot. Oh, that's just inflamed. Well, there's a difference between joint inflammation and infection of the skin. So that's something that we really need to, as practitioners, get better at doing. And I know we're, we're taking steps to, to, to correct that, and, but it really is something like in my career of 17 years, I've had five infections and two uh, deep vein thrombosis that I've found that I've referred out, uh, and even one case of poison ivy which I didn't even know that poison ivy could actually create like a, um, uh, a delayed onset joint uh, swelling that resembles cellulitis.
0: Interesting.
2: Yeah. So it, the key is not to know what it is, but to know that it's not normal. That's the thing. Yeah. Listen, I don't know what it is. I did. I know it was cellulitis or, or what, what was the staphylococcus? No, but I knew it wasn't normal and I knew I had to get it out of my office so they could get help.
0: Knowing the general, the the typical or common presentations of what we do treat, if something falls outside of that, is probably just as important as knowing as as knowing the actual red flags for certain diseases themselves. So, like you said, if something's not right with what we normally would see as a presentation, say we're looking at a neurological, you know, there's there's vertigo, there's tinnitus or tinnitus, depends on how you say it whatever there are all these things that we know are diagnoses right that can cause different symptoms but when you start taking a combination of the two the degree of the central nervous system symptoms that you might have and the onset and the the history that you're taking of what leading up to what when they came in also lead you to, to to really question what's going on um like with Jackie, with your case, it was an acute headache that, you know, like it's like almost like a thunderclap headache that came on. And there was, there, was some, there was some dizziness, right? And there was some, there were some like neurological things, but I, I can see how like, you know, sometimes, you know, you know, you have somebody come in and they say, oh, I have these symptoms, no pain, but they tell they say it's a migraine. So now there are even migraines being, you know, diagnosed with no pain at all, but other neurological symptoms. So it's really knowing knowing what you do see in and out and then when something's off you know and so somebody comes in with exactly what each of you had was was a was a diagnosis of what frozen shoulder and Jackie your patient i don't know what diagnosis exactly. Neuromuscular headache they said. Yeah and you're like wait a minute this is not the typical presentation of a, of neuromuscular headache or a frozen shoulder. So it's, it's and then there are other times people come in and just have all the red flags in the world for you know uh, TIA or you know something like that. You're just going to know to refer those out. So Andrew says responsible referrals for red flags have been a highway to great referral relationships with MDs. Yeah definitely you know and we can't be worried about like Anthony, you're touching on too, is is you know what an MD may say. I think an MD would be more appreciative that you referred them out in in you know and erred on the sign of caution than anything sure. else. Yeah. Yeah. Even if even no, if it ended up not being something more serious. So if anybody has any examples that they have they want to talk about in uh, you can put them in the comment section on the uh, CMTW group. That'd be cool. And I just wanted to say, I, I think the,
2: the, the reason why people would miss these presentations comes down to their inability to recognize it. And, and that comes down to history taking that comes down to uh, assessment. And, and like I said earlier, really knowing what normal looks like will help you recognize abnormal. That that's really what it what it comes down to, and what I'm seeing on the group that I really want people to get out of the habit of doing, and I don't know how often this happens in in real life, but they'll say, oh, I have a patient coming in with um, with hip bursitis. What point should I use, right? So we haven't seen the patient yet, but what I think is people are doing is they're already starting to map out points. You know, I'm going to use you know GB twenty eight, and I'm going to use you know, uh, stomach this and and all, and they're going to, you know, the motor point of that. And so when the patient comes in, they're so focused on the treatment they're going to use that even if they do assess, like I said, they miss what they're seeing in front of them. If it is infection, if it is deep vein thrombosis, if it is something that isn't musculoskeletal, and they're so focused on that, that that they, because they they pre-charted what they're going to do. So they're putting a cart in front of a horse. That's why what I say, you know, in a lot of the seminars, when we treat a patient or if you have a guest patient, I said, don't tell me what you have. We're going to do an assessment and we're going to figure out on your objective findings what you're presenting with. And then they can say, you know, I have a torn rotator cuff or whatever it is. It doesn't matter. So you have to do it backwards. If you can do it backwards, you will never miss a red flag. Mm
0: -hmm. You will never miss it go in with a clean slate, not, not, yeah, not getting too hung up on what, what you're going to do treatment wise. Cause yeah, otherwise you may just get that person in there and just start putting the points in.
2: Yeah. N- never pre-plan, assess, and then react, respond to your findings. That, that's all mm-hmm. that, because if you do it the other way around, you're going to miss. And a lot of people misconstrue infl- in- infection for inflammation
0: So what are the big, what are, what are a couple differentiating factors with inflammation versus infection?
2: So infection, redness, Mm -hmm. uh, with heat. So the heat would be like, literally you could like warm your hands. You feel it emanating from the area. Tenderness to the touch is another cardinal sign, like exquisite tenderness. Like you touch it, someone with frozen shoulder, uh, or there, you know, especially if it's an acute onset, an acute onset won't be red won't be extremely sensitive to the touch i mean if there was a trauma to it uh that's the other thing like what was the onset but the heat the exquisite uh, tenderness to the touch and and the redness is is cardinal signs and even by chance that if it isn't that it's a good chance it might be then you, you have to refer out because you have to err on the side of <clears throat> caution. With this, a muscle tear usually you'll see things like uh, bruising, so pooling of blood. If it's like a calf tear or something like that, mm. so for example, let's say someone comes in and they have uh, my calf hurts and it's swollen and it's tight, and I, you know, they felt that they hurt it playing baseball, or they didn't actually hurt it, but they kind of overextended themselves, and you see some. Um, micro tearing of the muscle some you know blood pooling around the achilles that's more likely a tear than it is a dvt uh, and again a dvt so a blood clot in in the calf that's why it's really important what a lot of massage therapists were doing for a time but not too far around me was people would be coming in with calf pain and they would go right to it and they wouldn't assess it. and they'd be going to town and you know massaging the calf and turns out it was a dvt And thank God they didn't dislodge it Mm. because you know, that'll kill somebody. Mm -hmm. So again, with that, if they have swelling in the calf, redness, heat, heat is a big one. Then uh, especially if it's in the calf, do your your due diligence. And um, the thing is even orthopedic tests for DVTs guys, the orthopedic tests have been found to actually can dislodge the blood clot. Mm -hmm. So it's better just visual inspection, history, Light palpation, light touch, like, you know, putting your hand over the area and then referring out. So th- those are the things like they don't happen a lot. Of course, they don't happen a lot, but you can tell when they're different. And of course, with infection, sometimes you have nausea, like I had with the septic uh, girl who went to go to the intensive care. You have vomiting, you have fever. Um, and, and sometimes it's good even to have in the office. I have it here. One of those auricular thermometers, Braun carries one. Walmart has it like any walk-in clinic around here, the doctor has that. It's like $80 Canadian. So like, uh, I don't know, like 60 bucks American and, you know, comes with the, you know, the changeable thing Mm -hmm. cover. And it's great to have in the office because if you're, if they have a fever and they have all these signs, chances are, even if it's a low
0: grade fever, it's more of an infection than an inflammation. Yeah. That's not a bad, you know, that's a good reminder that, you know, to have, whether you have the wall unit with all the different, you know, uh, different equipment on there, or you just have a conventional blood pressure cuff, even, whatever the case may be, i have a patient with, that's hypertensive. And, you know, they tell you, yeah, my blood pressure has been this high, you know, in the past might be kind of a good idea. What if they're sitting in your office and it's 200 over 110, Mm -hmm. that might be a hypertensive crisis and you've got to get them out. So, you know, when they, as they, they might not be, following up with their MD for weeks at a time. And even even with that degree of, of uh, being hypertensive. But Jackie, was that the first person you you had to refer out in your career so far? No,
1: that was, I've referred several people out. That was the second one I've sent to the ER.
0: What was maybe just one more situation where you had to refer somebody out?
1: Um, he was a veteran that I'd been treating for a couple of years. And, um, he came in complaining of, um, increased pain in the, I believe it was the left ankle. Yeah. The left ankle. And when I did an assessment, it was red and hot and swollen. And I told him he needed to go get it looked at. And he said he had just been to his primary care the day before and complained of it. And they told him it was from his neuropathy and his diabetes um, so I got on the phone with the nurse line at the VA and told her I needed him to come in and get looked at. And, uh, he ended up in the hospital and he had, I, I would have to look cause I didn't pull his case up before this, but he no longer has a leg from the knee down.
0: Wow. Infection.
1: He had a, yeah, a very severe infection.
0: That, that can climb pretty quick.
1: Yeah. They yeah. couldn't get it under control and.
0: See that even with his history even with his history of diabetes and neuropathy, another big one I'd imagine to rule out was gout versus infection.
2: Yeah, Yeah. that's a good one I was gonna mention that. Now, gout isn't necessarily life-threatening, but often, and it doesn't always just present in the big toe, it can present in the foot, in the the elbow. And Mm -hmm. um, so that's one thing that easily can be confused with osteoarthritis or if it's in the big toe. Uh, hallux rigidus or any arthritic change there, but the difference there is, like Jackie said, it's the heat, it's the sensitivity, it's the redness. Typically, osteoarthritis, of course, doesn't present with heat or redness; it presents with stiffness. Uh, but uh, in general, uh, the only other time, and this is probably why, uh, with this the case with a gentleman with the diabetic neuropathy. Now, you can have, of course, neuropathy and have exquisite tenderness, exquisite pain, right? Because of the central sensitization. So that's, that's part of it. But if you have, if you have swelling and you have heat and redness, again, we keep saying this over and over again, but it's, we can't say it enough because if you locate this, you're going to save somebody's life. Yeah. You, you really are.
1: And, and like in his case, you know, I don't know, it might not have been as swollen and red the day before when he saw his doctor, you know, but exactly. if I had just kept treating him, he wasn't, who knows when he, they usually see their doctors there he sees one like every four weeks or so
0: that's so. a lifetime yeah yeah
1: yeah it's
2: for something like that yeah because an infection in 24 hours can, it can be fatal it can spread and if it, it's a person's immune system or system isn't strong to start with it, it, who knows it doesn't take much to send them into organ failure uh, and the advantage we have as acupuncturists, chiropractors, massage therapists, is we get to see people's skin. And a lot of times other people, they don't. I, Josh, was I telling you about the pregnant woman that came in uh, two weeks after the one with the shoulder? No. I was treating her. She was 34 weeks pregnant. And she had to have some immunization done because I think she was, I don't know, it was something... Uh, I don't know if she was RH negative or probably. It was something where they needed they needed a shot, right? Mm-hmm. And she had it done. And uh, so she was just seeing me for just for adjustments in general. And she said to me, she was scratching her arm. She goes, oh, I got an allergic reaction from the shot. And she told me the shot. And she goes, let's take a look. I said, I said, can I see? And it was very red and hot and swollen. And I said, oh, my God, that's an infection. She said, really? And she went straight to her medical doctor and they put her on antibiotics. She's 34 weeks pregnant. Yeah, that's pretty so strange. she was very thankful. And I wouldn't have seen it if she hadn't mentioned it.
0: Right.
2: So we get to see the skin. That's, we, get that, we have that advantage over, uh, you know, well, well even even medical doctors, right? Because we see things that necessarily may not even be the chief complaint. You know, if they're mm-hmm. taking their shirt off or, or, or their trousers because we are treating their knee, we might see, you know, something else that may draw our attention. Yeah. So it's important to be observant of that, and just to, to know how you know what to be looking for, how to be thinking, what's the thought process, and it comes down to clinical reasoning, and which is something that uh, that we're gonna you know that we're teaching um, and we're going to be teaching to to help everybody. Um, I'm sure Josh is gonna is gonna get to that, but uh, like it's so important. It, It really is because sometimes we're so what's that saying like you miss the forest through the trees or yeah. i'm not sure if i'm saying it right but sometimes you're looking at something and it's so obvious that you miss it because you're thinking of your thought process is something know. you know your is somewhere else mm-hmm. so you know i always say like like you know what the heck am i looking at if i look at something i'm like what the heck am i looking at here
0: i don't you know? know it could be even something relatively benign edema demon in one leg I had a patient recently, lower leg, had, was, had a demon. What the heck's going on here, you know? wasn't anything too serious. I asked him a bunch of questions, you know. Turned out to be, though, um, he had a fracture with a pin and uh, metal in that leg. So, and it was like pretty bad injury to that leg. And so I told him, well, just, you know, mention it to your doctor. It wasn't, there wasn't any signs of infection or anything like that, but it was pretty interesting because it was just that one, but that kind of explained what was going on. Obviously there was some damage internally to that, to that leg, which he was able to be functional with completely functional, but it's exactly always look at it and wonder what it could be from and challenge yourself with, you know, asking physiologically, you know, and, and what, what could be going on here? And um you'll, you'll stay on top of the things pretty easily, but it's always a good reminder. And and the, Jackie, after you brought up that post, and I talked, I saw Anthony's, and I I talked to Anthony, and um, he's going to give a free webinar on red flags and all different conditions and when to refer out, and we're going to um. Get some PDAs. I I talked to the NCCAOm. We won't be able to get safety PDAs, but we can get you know a couple of PDAs for it as a, a hopefully. Oh, that's great. Apply. Yeah. yeah, we're gonna have the the free ver. We're gonna have a free live version with no PDAs, but it will be free and you'll be able to to catch it live. So we hope that everybody tunes into that. It's going to be interesting. This this kind of stuff is is. Real, like, clinic, clinical, you know, the nitty-gritty stuff, which is, which is you know, real world, and it's, it's really interesting, and it's incredibly important when, when you're looking at having a chance to make a huge impact in, in someone, you know, ending up in the hospital for many weeks, or even worse, dying, and, and not neither of those right instead being (laughs) catching it early So, jackie thank you for posting that because it really got the ball rolling on all of this
1: yeah no i'm glad i did
0: i I just wanted to say one
2: thing that i I think a lot of practitioners don't realize is that and not to be the guy talking about medical legal stuff because you know that's 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 a bore right mm -hmm. but from a medical legal standpoint okay i didn't know isn't a defense to say that, you know, they presented what, you know, ex, patient X presented to you with these symptoms and blah, blah, blah. And they say, well, I didn't learn it in school. They didn't really cover that. I didn't know. I didn't know the patient died because, you know, you were treating them with acupuncture or muscle work. And in fact, they were, they were septic, right? Mm-hmm. So I didn't know. Ignorance is not a defense. It never is. So you have to educate yourself. So this is a free webinar. Everyone should be watching it everyone should at least make time for it because it's something all you need to do is miss it once and mm-hmm. it messes up everybody's life, you know, yours, the patients, the families and it's not difficult to pick up, okay? Mm-hmm. If, we, if we could go through the, the steps, if we know what we're doing, if we know how to assess, if we know what normal looks like, you know, the fact that you take this would be helpful in a defense too because, look, you're taking continuing education to help you with these things, Okay. Mm-hmm. So we have to be proactive with this because, you know, sometimes, sometimes we get lucky and, and it just kind of falls in our lap, right? But we can't be treating a patient for something that is infectious. We can't be treating a patient when it's infection or if it's, uh, you know, we haven't ruled out deep vein thrombosis or, or uh, uh, a stroke or a tear, an artery tear like, like with Jackie. She, she did it perfectly and that's because she followed the steps. And it's not difficult to do. We can't get ahead of ourselves. She didn't get ahead of herself, mm-hmm. right? And that's, that's key. So again, I don't want to be the wet blanket uh, and talk about medical legal stuff because nobody likes that.
0: But, but that's part of it, right? Protecting ourselves as well as helping the patient. It is part of it. And, you know, as long as we are, remain, you know, like you said, not so laser focused necessarily, you know, look at the bigger picture when something doesn't seem right, you know, and, and not trying people, to be a hero. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's a big one too. We are often so used to being the last line of, yeah. of, you know, care, like the last hope, I guess you could say, or the last, you know, that we're like, well, we have to be the hero. We have to make this work. And lo and behold, right. you know, it might not be the case. So, yeah, I, I, I look forward to it. I don't. Know when, I don't know when it'll be. When? When do you, are you thinking? July? Yeah, July. Yeah, July can work. All right, maybe we'll do it in July because we have that other webinar in June. Maybe we'll do yeah. it in June or so. I don't know. We'll see. But I hope everybody takes it. Keep in touch. You know, it'll be, it'll be posted, and we'll talk about it. So, but I think that's it. I don't see any comments on on the group. Uh, um, everyone's quiet tonight. They're they're tired after the big. The big raffle last night, live on the group. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. Warm out. That was fun. That was good stuff. But, 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 um, appreciate everybody for coming out, and watching. Jackie, thank you. Anthony, thank you. <laughs> and, uh, we will. Uh, we'll be in touch. We'll see everybody on the group.